Hello, all you bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books, the show that gives you a bit of narration from the books I read, or ones you suggest for me to read on my show. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me on this journey. Here's a recap of what we know about Ghost Detective by William Scott Carter. Myron is a detective who does work for the living and the dead. He is married to a woman named Billy, who is dead. Karen Thorne, who is a ghost, has come to him for help to find her husband, who may or may not have killed her. Myron asked to see a picture of Karen's husband, and it turns out it was the person who shot him. Myron was a cop before he was shot. He had a partner named Alicia, who was also his best friend. And Billy seems to be angry, surly, unhappy, and doesn't want Myron to take the case. But why? Is it because of what he went through? The struggles he endured to get back to a more livable existence? Myron was in a coma for six months and can't tell who is a ghost or who is living. Medical staff thinks he's lost his mind. Myron finds out Billy is not there because she is dead. Let's see what the next chapter has in store for us. Chapter 5 With the high plain church of spiritual transcendence, mercifully quiet, Thursday morning and no rain beating on the window. The only sound in the office was me drumming my fingers on the desk. The planet Saturn wall clock, a gift from Alicia when I first rented the place, read 8.02 a.m. At 8.04 a.m., I heard creaking on the stairs. And even now, after so many years, I still had to remind myself that it didn't guarantee it was a living, breathing person. Even when ghosts were out of sight, I often heard them in the same way I did the living. At 8.05 a.m., Karen walked straight through my closed door, looking radiant in a burnt orange suede suit jacket, a skirt of the same color, and elaborate leather sandals with spidery straps that extended most of the way up her elegant calves. What? she said. She clutched a beaded orange handbag to her chest. You look disappointed. It's nothing, I said. Would you prefer I open the door? I just thought after yesterday. No, it's fine, I said. I was just expecting. Never mind. Please just take a seat. I've been waiting for quite a while. Oh, I'm sorry, am I late? I thought you said... Five minutes is late in my book, lady. Did you bring the picture again? What? Oh, yes, of course. Flustered, she scurried into one of the office chairs across from me, sinking into the seat and clutching her bag like a teenager, bucking up her courage to face the principal. She fluttered her eyes at me, her eyelids laced with just a touch of orange eyeshadow. I had to admire her stylistic commitment to her appearance, even her hoop earrings, which I glimpsed briefly inside her blonde curls were orange. So, 
she began hopefully. Did you decide to take the case? I was formulating my answer when I heard another pair of feet creaking up the stairwell. I waited and sure enough, Billy materialized through the door in paint-spotted blue overalls, a tie-dyed t-shirt, and no shoes. Looking like she wanted to be anywhere else but there, she slumped into the other office chair, one leg slung over the arm. Green paint flecked her forehead, and red paint flecked her bare feet. Thank you for joining us, I said. Billy shrugged. Karen clutched her purse tighter to her chest, as if she was afraid Billy had come to take it. Hello, she squeaked. I'm Karen Thorne. Billy rolled her eyes. Who else? You got the picture or what? Oh, yes, of course. Are you his? Just give me the picture. With a gulp worthy of a cartoon, Karen fetched the photo from her purse. Billy snatched it out of the air and glanced at it idly. As if she couldn't even be bothered to turn her head. But she quickly did a double take and stared at Anthony Newman with more intense interest. I hadn't seen her look at anything that way in my presence in months. Years, maybe. I'd forgotten the way her forehead, normally so supple and smooth, furrowed like a rake dragged lightly over the sand in a zen rock garden. What? I said. Nothing, she said. He's just not what I expected, I guess. What did you expect? She shrugged. Well, based on your description. I've always told you that was a disguise. Yeah. It's in the eyes, I said. I can tell by looking at the eyes. Excuse me? Karen piped up meekly. But can I ask what you're talking about? Billy, ignoring us both, gazed at the photo in her lap. I felt the beginnings of a headache, the familiar rising pressure, like a moth fluttering in the gully between the two hemispheres of my brain. I wanted Billy to believe me. I saw from her point of view how improbable it must have seemed, me recognizing my shooter in a photo in front of her. But I didn't appreciate the dismissive tone. It's nothing, I said to Karen. We were just, I said he looked like Al Pacino, that's all, a younger version. Oh, yes, Karen said. I've thought the same thing myself. He's very handsome, isn't he? Billy harumped noncommittally. Apparently her harumped hadn't been noncommittal enough because Karen looked annoyed. I did some searching for him on the internet, I said. I couldn't really find any photos of him under that name. Yes, Karen said. Tony was weird about his pictures. He didn't like them. And what do you mean under that name? Well, I couldn't find anything of him on the internet, period. Kind of odd in this day and age, don't you think? Oh, Karen said, clearly offended. That doesn't mean he's some sort of... I don't know what it means yet. I've had a friend at the Bureau do a little more background digging, but in the meantime, I wanted to get out and talk to people. I asked Billy if she could draw him so I'd have something to show people until I came across a real photo. A photo in the living world, I mean. 
What do you think, Billy? With a sigh, Billy motioned with the photo to the end of my desk. I opened the third drawer and took out the drawing pad and one of the Conte compressed charcoal sticks, a brand she claimed was easiest for her to control. While Karen watched, perplexed, I opened the pad to a blank page and set it and the black stick on the end of my desk. Billy made us endure one of her painfully long-stretching routines. Wrists, shoulders, fingers, joint by joint, muscle by muscle, until finally, with another sigh. She stood over the pad with her legs in a wide stance and her fingers fanned over the paper. I'd learned the hard way to be patient. Once I'd made the mistake of asking her why she needed to stretch, when she didn't really have a body, and she didn't speak to me for two days. She closed her eyes, breathed in and out deeply, then curled the fingers of her right hand as if holding the invisible pencil. Then, when the hand holding the invisible pencil began to move, the real pencil suddenly sprang to life and scratched its way across the pad in unison. Any living person who walked into the room at that moment would have seen me alone with a haunted pencil. Wow, Karen said. Nice trick. Billy cracked one eye open to glare at her. Levitating the pencil is the easy part, but you also have to have artistic ability to draw something good. Well, I know I couldn't do it, Karen said. I'm pretty good at moving objects, but I can barely draw stick figures. At least somewhat mollified, Billy returned to concentrating on her drawing. We watched her for a few seconds, then I turned back to Karen. Outside, a truck with a bad muffler roared down Burnside, and I waited for the sound to pass. Did you bring the other thing? I asked. Oh, right, the list, Karen said. She retrieved a second piece of paper from her purse. A spiral sheet folded into quarters, smoothed it out, and held it out to me. I shook my head and pointed to the table. Blushing, she set the paper in front of me. There were two columns, twenty or so names on the list. Description of those names on the right, including whether they were alive or dead, and my best bet in finding them. I took a yellow pad out of my desk and began transcribing the information. Bernie Thorne? I said, reading the first name on the list. That's your father? She nodded. And that's the one who's going to pay me? Yes. You understand I don't work until I get paid, correct? Half the estimate up front, the other half plus expenses upon completion. It probably wasn't true in this case, but I certainly wasn't going to tell her that. Yes, she said. You explained this yesterday. It never hurts to explain it again. So what are the magic words? Excuse me? What do I have to do to get him to pay? She started to speak, but her eyes missed it, and she looked away, gathering herself before trying again. You tell him. Tell him that I finally got that diamond pony I'd always been wanting. Diamond pony? He'll know what it means. Just be gentle with him, okay? 
He's been through a lot. You sure you don't want me coming along? No. I work best alone. Billy made a strange noise and we both stared at her. She continued to draw without looking up, leaving us to wonder what she meant. I gave up and studied the list. The rest of the names included her mother, three sisters, some clients of her father's, a pair of dentists who lived in the condo next to theirs who often came over for dinner, and some other assorted folks. It was a good starting list, honestly better than I'd expected. I finished with my list at the same time Billy finished her work. I glanced at the drawing of Tony and, as usual, was impressed. It was a very good likeness. Good job, I said. It's crap, she said. You're always so hard on yourself. She rolled her eyes. We done? Yeah, I guess. I'd barely said the words and she was already out the door. Nice to meet you. Karen called after her. Her voice was so earnest and hopeful I felt bad for her when Billy passed through the door without even a backwards glance. But what could I do? Like me. Like all of us. She was a prisoner to Billy's changing moods, and her moods were many and always changing. Sorry about that, I said to Karen. She's not one for small talk. She's not really one for any talk, actually. Oh, that's all right. She said, smiling furtively. And I could tell it wasn't all right at all, that Karen Thorne wasn't the sort of woman who was used to people resisting her charms. Your assistant is interesting. I laughed. In Karen Thorne's world, I knew that qualified as an insult. Yeah, that's one word for her, and she's not my assistant. She's my wife. Oh, Karen said, and then when the full implications of what I was saying dawned on her. Oh, how did... It's complicated. I see. Don't get your hopes up, I said. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about me and Tony. Sure you were. Why wouldn't you? A ghost and a living person apparently living in heavenly matrimony? Assuming he can even see you, which is a big if. It's got to make you wonder if a similar arrangement could work for you. She was quiet a moment. And does it? She said. What's that? Work, she said. Ah. Thinking this over, I glanced at the drawing Billing had left behind. She'd shown up, didn't she? Maybe she hadn't wanted to, but she'd still come when I'd asked. She was still living in Portland with me. She hadn't left when she could have left a long time ago. She could have left a million different times, and yet she hadn't. And there was no doubting how much I desperately needed her now. But did our marriage work? I wasn't sure if Karen was asking about the whole living with a ghost thing, or if she was commenting on how tense our relationship had seemed to her. But in either case, the answer was the same. It's a work in progress, I said. 
Myron must be thinking he really lost it for sure. Being in the hospital, coming out of a coma after six months, not knowing what's going on or why his wife is dead. The priest that is a ghost is the only one answering his questions, well, partially. Medical staff rushing out on him while he's trying to find answers. Poor guy, he must feel so lost and confused. Well, let's see if it gets better for him next week. Well, that concludes my episode for today. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to me talk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like my podcast, please subscribe to my show or send me an email to justvicvoice at outlook.com. That's J-E-S-S-V-I-C-V-O-I-C-E at outlook.com with suggestions of books for me to read on the show. Thank you again, and please join me next week on Oh, for the Love of Books. And as always, dream big and keep reading.